This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. infamous towel that tom has worn during i don't know just t- towel <laughs> imagine if i made that the opening of the podcast yeah just make that as the opening uh yeah, hello <laughs> <laughs> hello and welcome welcome to the Outstanding film podcast my name is tom and as always i'm joined by my co-host john and this week we are talking about john wick chapter four yeah so you haven't seen this film till no. recently so until literally 20 minutes ago i saw this earlier way earlier back in march and i remember when everyone was like i don't think this film's gonna be that good because let's be honest john wick 3 it was a bit silly it wasn't really going anywhere with the story john was just running around just shooting everybody i mean that is the main plot for the whole series but however this one actually surprised me in a different way and yeah what do you think before we go into full spoilers i would agree with you about john wick 3 i wasn't a huge fan at the time i think the john wick franchise is something that i you know i think it's fine it's not in terms of action franchises i'm much more of a mission impossible or a James Bond fan, I think they have a lot more for me. So as you say, I kind of avoided this at the time and it was, you know, two hours, 50 minutes. I was like, nah, I can't be bothered. And when I sat down to watch it just now, I was again like, oh God, is this really going to be long? But to be fair, I had a good time. I enjoyed it a lot. And I don't know maybe if that's because I'm older and I have more appreciation for like the action and the way that the, the film is made than I did when I watched the first three. But yeah, I had a really good time with it and I was surprised. I knew that it was considered good but yeah I, I really really liked it yeah i agree at the time when i was watching it i was watching on the super screen and watching on the super screen was just a different experience to watching the other john wick films the first john wick i mean that is more story based in the way of like john has lost everything and then we got to chapter two i mean it was good but i wish there was something with it and then chapter three there's some good action but i just don't feel like that was the best but this one I had a great time. I was just completely overwhelmed by the amazing cinematography in this film and the banging soundtrack as well. And I just couldn't believe that this one really actually stuck with me for the rest of the year. I was like, man, that whole sequence, there's a different sequences that I love in the film. And yeah, should we get into it? Absolutely. So full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it. Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. <clears throat> with the price on his head ever increasing, legendary hitman John Wick takes his fight against the high table global as he seeks out the most powerful players in the underworld. From New York to Paris to Japan to Berlin. That is the brief description. Fantastic. So, yeah, I would kind of describe the first three as diminishing returns. I would say that I really liked one. I liked two. And I thought three was fine. I didn't give them a rewatch before this one. But I agree with you. I think that this one, like, really, the thing that stands out is the cinematography and the way that all the action is framed. Like, when it comes to John Wick... Plot is just scene dressing, really. Like, the plot doesn't really matter. We're here for cool action. And cool action we get because I think that this movie really delivers on that premise with, as you just said in the description, all the different countries that we go to 
and all the different places. And I think there's a really good use of lighting and color in a lot mm. of these action sequences. And they're always finding ways to top themselves. And I think that there are some really great highlights in this movie through yeah. the action. Yeah, I really like, as you just said, about like the lighting and the mise-en-scene in each different country, which is so kind of refreshing in the series. There's some really good shots in the series, but this one really stand out to me with the lighting, especially the Japan sequence, you know, like when it goes in the lockdown mode with the green lighting, it was just really interesting where the direction it took as well with the cinematography. And I loved how they showcased every country across the world and make it, you know, like this is John Wick's world that he's trying to get through and he's trying to fight. My favorite is the Paris sequence the massive roundabout and one of my favorite songs in the film was nowhere to one and it was a great reference to the warriors oh that's what i was gonna say yes i absolutely loved that there's nothing better than when a movie says the title of a song and then plays that song and when the radio announcer says there'll be nowhere to run and then they start playing nowhere to but that was just so exciting it's brilliant yeah it's like at the end of glass onion when they start playing glass onion and i was just like oh my god like that kind of thing i just think is amazing i love that yeah, that whole and sequence on the Champs-Élysées and I mean they didn't actually shoot it there but it. like that whole sequence on the Champs-Élysées and all the cars and <laughs> people are constantly being smashed into cars <laughs> and yeah. it's so chaotic but in such a delightful way. I think yeah. that every action scene is so much going on but they still keep it focused and they keep it memorable in a way that like you got to commend this series for every single movie having distinct action set pieces that you can kind of highlight. They know how to keep it intriguing. There's yeah. literally a moment at the end when he's climbing up the steps, when somebody put, <laughs> when somebody kicks him down the steps. And oh I was God. watching it with my friend, and my friend said, oh, wouldn't it be funny if he just rolled down all the steps? And he rolled down every single step. And Legend. they really just, they really went for it. And I just love that. Like, you know, they're like, okay, so we're on the steps. Obviously, we've got to make the best use of it. And so they really do have people just rolling around. And, you know, yeah. as I say, they're on the Champs-Élysées. It's a huge roundabout. So they're just going to have cars going through the action scene the whole mm. time or even as you say when they're in japan they're like we're gonna have like a trophy room with all these swords and nunchucks and all these like big screens that we can have people mm. smashing through and they're just using all of the tools at their disposal to the yeah. absolute maximum yeah and my favorite shot i was completely mind blown when john wick drifts around while shooting around in the chandelute and he's just drifting while shooting. And I was like, it kept going, like, with the cinematography. And I was like, oh, my God. I was just completely mind blown. If you see me, I'll be like, what the heck am I watching? This is too awesome. That was awesome. so like, cool. How did they do this shot? Mostly it's special effects. There's a great video on it, by the way, on the Chandelute sequence with its special effects. It was like, oh, wow, that was seamless. That is clean. And that shot just took me away. I was like, wow, this is cinema with its capacity of, like, action, you know, giving homage to Kung Fu movies, Hong Kong movies as well, you know, like Chucky Chan and stuff. And, yeah, it really just blew me away with its sequences as well, especially the other sequence with the fiery dragon shotgun thing. It turned out to be like a video game, you know what I mean? Yes. That whole sequence, yes. Yeah, that's, oh, you see, when, wow. you, when you were talking about your favourite 
shot, I thought you were going to mention the bird's eye. For me, that was the ah, one. Ah, the bird's eye, that's <laughs> great. I'd heard tales of the bird's eye shot. I remember back in March, a lot of people were, you know, getting really excited about John Wick. And on Twitter, I saw a lot about the movie. You know, unfortunately, mm. I did have the ending spoiled for me. But what? the whole time... <laughs> yeah, so when they were in that house and the camera kind of started to move up, it suddenly all came back to me. I was like, oh my God. This is the bird's eye scene. And when that camera settled, looking down on all the action, and Wick is using this gun, it's almost like going off like fireworks every five seconds. It was fantastic. It really was just like another level of insane. And there are conversations, I think, about a John Wick 5. Obviously, it's, yeah. how is that going to happen? I have no idea because obviously, um... you know, this film ends on such like a final note, but... If it was the final one, they really have used all of, like, it, it feels like there's nowhere else they can go. They, they really have topped themselves in every yeah. capacity. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter about the bird's eye view and everybody was raving about it. And I couldn't believe that you got spoiled about the ending because not only I didn't want you to get spoiled about John Wick. I mean, I didn't mind that. But the one thing that was really annoying was that the director, he spoiled the ending of Cowboy Bebop. Before you finished Cowboy Bebop. I was literally watching Cowboy Bebop and then discussing film on Twitter was like, and so John Wick's death is actually inspired by another death in Cowboy Bebop. I'm not going to say it just in case anyone No, we're not going to spoil Cowboy Bebop. Do watch it. It's great. And the director is going to be the stunt coordinator for the new anime series, Lazarus. So he's going to be working on that. that's right. Exciting. Chad Stahelski started as, as a stunt coordinator, and yeah. I think he really understands action scenes, and that's why they are so famous in John Wick. I think the way that he moves the camera, mm. and he kind of understands a certain dynamism to it, if that's the right word. Like, I, yes. I think that really works nicely. I respect the hell out of the guy. Yeah, the guy knew what he was doing, and one of the best things about the John Wick series is that the cinematography is consistent really you know in John Wick 4 it really stands out but it's really consistent you know like you never miss a beat or you know the camera is trying to make kind of like a rhythm within you know the fight scenes or the sequences as well like you're not missing anything but it's like wow there's a lot that's going on but in a really good way you know in the Taken series the one with Liam Neeson there's one Taken shot where he's trying to get over the fence and that took 22 shots with a shaky camera Oh, you know yeah, the one, the, sh- the shaky camera, the shaky My cam God. in action sequences. I'm really happy yeah. that we've moved away from that because yeah. obviously shaky cam can work, but I think a lot of films tried it, and maybe aside from the Bourne movies, nobody really uh, seemed to yeah. understand it or, or be able to recapture what the Bourne series did. And I think that John Wick is one of those series that has kind of come out of nowhere and just through these really cool action set pieces. Like, you know, as I said before, the scenes and the plot, they don't really matter. Like, there's a whole bit in the movie where, for whatever reason... The only way to get this duel, John has to become part of a family. And so the family's like, yes, we will make you part of the family. But first, got to kill the guy who killed my father. And so there's this whole 20-minute detour. <laughs> there's no, like, thematic reason. And there's no narrative reason. But it's just a cool scene where... It is a cool scene. <laughs> ...where Mr. Nobody and Kane and John all play cards with this German gangster who he then ends up fighting in a club with, like, water dripping all over them. 
and it's just cool. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't really need to be there. I tried to figure out the card game. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't <laughs> and... understand the card game. How does he have five twos? Does that mean there are two <laughs> decks? I don't even know. But like, it was just really cool. The fact yeah. that that whole sequence, it was awesome. And it didn't have any relevance, but I loved the hell out of it. And that's kind of yes. the charm of this kind of movie. Yeah. And one of the great things about this film is Donnie Yen. He's a legend in this film as Kane. And... Oh, what a guy. I mean, come what on. What a guy, come Kane. On. Listen, you can't go wrong with Donnie Yen. When I saw that teaser for John Wick 4, I was like... Now they want me back into the series now. <laughs> Every time I get out, they pull me back. Yeah, exactly. And he was another highlight of the film. He was mm. just so funny, but also had some awesome sequences as well. The first one that he was fighting in Japan in the Osaka building. It was really cool to see, you know, this blind assassin who was going against this whole entire army inside the building. And the card game is funny as well because, you know, you couldn't see what was the card. It was just... <laughs> Why do Western movies love to cast Donnie Yen as a blind warrior? Like, both this movie and Rogue One are just like, yep, Donnie Yen Rogue is blind. Oh, yeah! Deal oh, with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, right? Well. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, like, what was that quote again? Like, if I had a nickel? The quote? Yes. If I had a nickel for every time that Donnie Yen was blind in a Western <laughs> action movie, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happens twice. <laughs> Ah, yeah. But it is he, odd, but also like, you odd. can't really com- you can't odd. complain about him being there. And yeah. I think we're talking about how great the action is, and the action is great, but to the movie's credit, it also has some good emotional stakes and yeah. and I think the characters are all really interesting. And I think Kane is interesting in that sense that he's mm. there's a question of his honor and a question of his loyalties and all he really cares about is his daughter and his daughter's safety, and that's how they managed to drag him back into being an assassin. And at the end of the day, his allegiance is just to that, is just to his daughter's own safety and not to anyone else and I, I really appreciated how at the end of the day there was no bad blood between him and John because John mm-hmm. understands exactly the deal he understands this life and I think that we're crafting this whole kind of world and I think that the dichotomy between the two kind of like the heroes and the villains it comes right down to what Ian McShane's character whose name I can't remember uh, what he talks to with Lance Reddick's character Lance Reddick is joining him and Ian McShane says you're so loyal and that's kind of the greatest thing in this business to be loyal even if it kills you and it does kill him and that's an interesting like thread throughout the movie that we also see with Mr. Nobody who is also I keep asking, like I'm sorry is he called Mr. Nobody he only says his name is Nobody and so everybody calls him okay. Mr. Nobody and as soon as I, I heard getting... that I was getting fast and furious flashbacks. yes exactly I was like <laughs> yes. is he is he trying to reference that but he's called Tracker what Google okay because well... I was like getting flashbacks so I was like oh my god Mr. Nobody but you can... <laughs> we can call him Mr. Nobody Kurt for the Russell. sake of whatever <laughs> maybe Kurt he Russell was Kurt just coming to the place be like Hey, everybody, I'm Mr. Nobody. <laughs> oh, no, wrong movie. Yeah. But he, at the end, he decides that his loyalty lies with John because John saved his dog from being killed, which I thought was a great moment, of course, because John understands the pain of your dog, something that you love so deeply being murdered in front of you. And I really appreciated that as well, because again, you know, we're seeing while Bill Skarsgård, the villain, his whole thing is about money and about power and about pain. And he says there are three types of people, those who have nothing to live for, nothing to die for, and something to kill for. And it's pretty interesting as well, because the whole thing kind of is a huge contrast between the heroes and the villains and what they believe and what they have honor for. 
And even though the John Wick franchise does lose some of its emotional stakes and some of its metaphors, I think this one managed to maintain it to quite a good emotional climax. Yeah, especially for the end. He did everything that he wanted to do, but he died. It's very emotional, and as what Chad Selesky was talking about, is inspiration for the ending, which was Cowboy Bebop, which I'm not going to spoil, which I just did in the other cut. <laughs> There's an alternate universe, something that I just removed in the edit, where John does a big spoiler. Please do watch Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, and there was one emotional moment where John was talking to Winston before the whole Paris sequence, talking about like the life that he tries to go back. I completely forgot the dialogue, but I sense there was some emotional feelings. I sense something. I'm an empathy. I can must feel something. Uh, no. Um, you got an yeah, echo yeah. back from March, and you're like, ah, yes, the super screen. No, I must be that, empathy. I am is a as an empath. I must feel things. There is a moment at the end where they talk about, well, it's not really the end, it's like 45 minutes before the end, but Winston and Lawrence Fishburne and John, they talk about gravestones, like, what do you write on a gravestone? And Winston was saying that he wanted to put on Sharon's gravestone a friend, because that's what he was. And John says that I want my gravestone to say loving husband. And at the end, that's what we see, that he died. And that's like how he remembered. He remembered living as a loving husband. And I think that all like works really nicely because of this whole like idea of was he a good man or not in the end that's a really interesting angle as well like Lawrence Fishburne says like do you think he's in heaven or hell and it's like who knows because he tried to keep that honor and he tried to keep that loyalty and there's this idea of no matter how hard you try you can't escape and it's almost similar to what we were talking about Nimona last week you can't change who you are and you are stuck being this assassin and stuck being a killer. Like, that's all so interesting. I kind of mm. wish the film goes a bit more into that. And obviously, I'm not going to say no to another action scene. But, like, I think that that's a really interesting angle as well. Yeah, it's a very prominent theme across the John Wick series. You know, he's trying to get back to the life. Well, he lost everything in the first film, you know, with his wife and his dog. And it gets even worse for him. So, like, it goes all tumbling down. And... Uh, what was I going to say? I just... Uh, wait. No, we... we oh, he goes tumbling that. down all those steps. Wait, hey! Uh... <laughs> I lost my thought. We are yeah. gathered here today to remember <laughs> John's thoughts that he once had, and we believe it would have been a beautiful thought. If he graced us with it, we would have one million subscribers. Because I said and it came, it would it have paid for all of our oh, lives. Oh, no, I, I remember. You have it? I came back. Wait, wait, my thoughts came back. It's very reminiscent to Dante. It's the seventh something of hell. You know, he tries to get back to life. So it's very reminiscent of that. Ah. That was talking about, so. Yes, yeah. nice. Okay, I'm with you. I think that's interesting as well, because the villain believes that he has control over all of this. He himself doesn't matter in the grand scheme. I thought it was really interesting how at the end Clancy Brown, who, you know, Clancy, Clancy Brown, Brown the legend, the come on, the, the living legend that he is, as soon as Bill Skarsgård is dead, Clancy Brown's like, okay, that's it, we're done, bye. We're satisfied. Like, yeah, he doesn't like care. Nobody cares about Bill Skarsgård and what I think is interesting is that Bill Skarsgård thinks that he has more power than he has, he thinks he's more important than he is, when actually he's nothing. He's just a coward who refuses, and I can't remember any of the John Wick villains, but I think Bill Skarsgård will go down in my memory yeah. as the most interesting and the most memorable, because I think he puts in a great performance 
government and because of how interesting he is he thinks he has so much power and he thinks that he can control people but really he doesn't have their loyalty you can't just threaten somebody and think that they yeah. will be by your side in the way that they will if you prove yourself and he gets Kane to shoot John in the duel at the end because he won't do it himself because he's scared and he only mm. picks up the gun when he thinks that John is down and in his own hubris that doesn't even work and I just love that idea that mm. the villain is such an like it's a simple thing but whenever the villain is the direct opposite of whatever the hero stands for I think it mm. works really really well in these kinds of situations yeah and as you said that hubris came to a downfall when he tries to shoot John and then Winston's like you arrogant asshole he didn't shoot and then Keanu shoots Bill Skarsgård's character and he says consequences so like Bill Skarsgård's character doesn't realize about the consequences and power leads to consequences. So yeah, it's a very prominent theme as well with consequences. Yeah, it's such a fitting yeah. death that John Wick doesn't go down in a huge action sequence. He goes Explosion. down <laughs> in a yeah, ex- exactly. He goes down in a very small way. You know, he just sits on the steps as the sun rises, and his last thought is about his wife and what he did. He's settling his feud. And he's righting wrongs and he's making sure that all of his friends have everything that they need. And he dies like that. He doesn't die in a blaze of glory. And I think that's perfect for his ending. And who knows if they're going to make a fifth one. But I think it's weird that that is even in the conversation. Because to me, this is like a pretty definitive ending and a good ending in that. Nothing's confirmed, but it, it it just makes no sense. Like, sure, if you do a spin-off or something, but I just I think John Wick's story is done. It, and I think all things considered, it ends well. I think the John yeah. Wick story across these four movies is a strong one. And I think yeah. that this movie will make it the other ones bang, better. So. Exactly. It's just like, oh God, do you hear about Toy Story? So this is kind of like this thing that's happening with Toy Story now. Oh, don't They're talk do to me Toy about story that. Five. Nowhere to run. <laughs> no, <to> her. no. <laughs> uh, if anyone listened to our <laughs> elemental video a couple of weeks ago we spoke about toy story 5 and i made the promise that we'd be doing all of the toy story films in the podcast and i still think we will do that but god toy story 5 does not sound exciting there was a recent report about it having andy's new family or something and it just sounds really why uh, really uh just d- disappointing uh but anyway, John Wick. Well, I was, oh, I wanted to say that the, the score was a banger. Who did the soundtrack? Oh, Tyler Bates. Oh, wow. Fantastic. I think he did a good job of that. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, John Wick 4. Fantastic. What are you going to give it out of 10? I'm going to say an 8. Yeah, I'm with you on that. 8 out of 10. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you liked it and you're listening on YouTube, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we're worthy. Next week, it's our final catch-up film, and we will be doing Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Whoa. Among Thieves. This one I've seen before, and I'm very excited I've to rewatch. It's a well. bunch of fun. And yes. you can send us an email, gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and ask us any questions, we'll answer it right here on the podcast next week. And you can follow us on Instagram, Pod to see our incredible thumbnails from Zane Afsel on Twitter for more thoughts from me and TikTok see edited clips which are also on Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts and you can find links to all that in the description below thanks to LJ's Mayor for the excellent theme and Renfield's vocals as always and I think that is everything that is everything take what you're given give nothing back goodbye goodbye <laughs>